My friends, it's good to be with you again tonight in another uh, Thursday night Bible study and thank you for tuning in and it's been good to see you again uh, there at the drive-ins on a Sunday morning and we really appreciate you uh, coming along. We'd ask for your prayers in these days because uh, we're seeking to get out uh, during the week uh, to do a few open airs in the villages and in the little hamlets here and there across the land and we've been getting a good opportunity uh, with the people and seeking to get the gospel into the hearts of men and women that have, have no real desire to come to drive-in meetings or even to listen on the internet. And so we're seeking to go out and to share the message of the gospel. And you remember us in prayer. We really uh, would appreciate that, that the Lord will help us and even lead us to the right place at the right time. Now, if you have your Bible for a moment or two tonight, uh, we're turning to Psalm 116, please. Psalm 116 and for the sake of time, we're not going to be able to read the whole psalm, uh, but you take the, your Bible later on today and you read it uh, for yourself. And I'm sure that the Lord will bless it to your own heart uh, the way that he does uh, to mine. We all have po- portions of the word of God that are very precious to us. And this is one of the portions. This is one of the passages of the word of God that I so often turn to uh, myself, even in my quiet time, just to think upon the Lord. Commencing to read. At verse 1, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death come past me. The pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Down to verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. And we know the Lord will add his blessing uh, to our hearts, even as we read uh, these few verses uh, tonight. Psalm 116 is one of the Passover psalms. It was one of the psalms that the children of Israel sang as they observed the Passover. It was sang, of course, most probably by the Lord Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. Uh, Before he went out and was betrayed by Judas, they would have sang this lovely psalm. Now we don't know who penned this psalm. Some people believe it was Hezekiah. Others believe it was David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And while we don't know who penned it, we do know why it was penned. It's a psalm of adoration. The psalmist said in verse 1, I love the Lord. And, you know, I was thinking today that there's many men and women uh, throughout the word of God uh, could have said, I heard the Lord. You remember even whenever Moses was out with the sheep in the backside of the wilderness, he was leading and he was feeding them. And the angel of the Lord came down in the, in the bush that was on fire and was not consumed. And Moses heard the voice of the Lord. And that's a mighty thing, to hear the Lord. Then, of course, there was Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, he could have said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw 
also the Lord. What a what a mighty privilege that was. Not only to hear the Lord, but to see him. But here in Psalm 116, the psalmist could say, I love him. I love the Lord. And I want you to think for a moment or two about the record of the psalmist's love. Just four words. Four words that the psalmist used to display and describe his adoration for the Lord. You know, he didn't use many words, just four words. It's a very short little statement. I love him. I love the Lord. And you know, we live in a generation where we seem to be addicted to words. We say so many words to say so little. But here the psalmist, he used so few words, and yet he said so much. And not only is it a short little statement, it's a simple little statement. Because while he didn't use many words, he didn't use any big words. They're all small, simple little words that he used. I love the Lord, he could say. And I wonder, can you and I say that tonight? I wonder, could we say it the way the psalmist could say it, without our hearts condemning us, so sincerely, uh, so personally, And yet the psalmist could say it. He said it with uh, just a few words. He said it with simple words. I love the Lord. You know we could say that we sing about the Lord. And in the measure we can say that we know about the Lord. And we read about the Lord. And those that do a little bit of ministry here and there can say we speak about the Lord. But the psalmist could outdo us all. Whenever he could say I love the Lord. You know, whenever John was writing in 1 John 4 and verse 19, he says, we love him because he first loved us. And it's a precious thing when you get a company of God's people together and we all can rise to our feet and we can say collectively, we love him because he first loved us. I was thinking of it like this. Our love for him is in response to his love for us. In other words, if he had never have loved us, friends, we would never have loved him. You'll remember what John said again in his epistle, 1 John 4 and 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. And so you can see that our love for him is only a a reaction, a response to his love for us. But then, of course, Peter in 1 Peter 1 and verse 8 he, he said, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. How precious it is when you get a company of people and we can stand to our feet and we can say, we love him. But how more precious it is when you find a brother or a sister and you can walk over to them and say, you love him. I know that you love him. And I was wondering even today, can people in my neighborhood, people in my community, People that live near to me. Could they come to me and say, Stephen, I know that you love the Lord. Uh, It's one thing to say we love him. It's lovely whenever you can find a beloved brother or sister and say, you love him. Uh, But to hear in Psalm 116, the psalmist said, I love him. I love the Lord. You know, it was in John's Gospel, chapter 21, when the Lord Jesus had been raised from the dead and he went out and he found Peter and some of the disciples back fishing again. And you'll remember how the Lord Jesus was on the shore. We referred to it one other Thursday night, how the Lord Jesus was on the shore and he had prepared a little fire 
and he had a few fish and he prepared for them a little meal. Uh, and then he took Peter away on his own and he turned to Peter and he says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And you know, that's a question that should come to our heart even as we come out of this lockdown period. Do we love the Lord more than we loved him before? Lovest thou me more? Do you love me more now than you loved me then? Do you love me more today than you loved me yesterday? Does not challenge your heart? And Peter, he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest. In other words, Lord, I can put a show on to others, but you know if I really, really love you. You know, whenever the Lord Jesus asked Peter that question, his friends were there. You know, these disciples were, were friends of Peter. And the Lord Jesus can point to the, Peter's friends and he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than your friends? And Peter could only say, Lord, thou knowest. And that's a question that comes to you and I. Then, of course, some of his family members were there. And I can see the Lord Jesus turning to Peter and says, Simon, Peter, lovest thou me more than these, more than your, your family? And Peter could only hang his head and say, Yea, Lord, thou knowest. You know, Lord. Then, of course, the fish were there. You know, Peter was the fisherman. And the business. And the Lord Jesus could turn to Peter and say, Peter, Peter, Simon, Peter, lovest thou me more than than, than the fish? More than the, 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 the business? More than the work? Do you love me more? And Peter could only say, Yea, Lord, thou knowest. Doesn't that challenge our heart tonight? More than the family, more than the friends, more than the work. And we can all say like Peter, Yea, Lord, it's only thou who knows. I was thinking today, of the lovely hymn that was written uh, by William Featherstone, a young man of 12 years of age, just saved, and he took his pen, and this is what he penned. We often used to sing it. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee all the pleasures of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Saviour art thou, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love thee because I first lovest me, and purchased my pardon when nailed to the tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. And I wonder, can you and I say that tonight before the Lord, again sincerely and honestly? If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. But not only do you find in Psalm 116, you find the the, the record of the psalmist's love, you'll find the reason for it. This wasn't blind love. There was a reason for this love. In verse 1 again, he says, I love the Lord because. You can see that there's a reason. And I want to give you three reasons why the psalmist loved the Lord. And they're the three reasons why we should love him. First of all, because of the salvation that he gives. You see, the psalmist here if you cast your eye in verse 3, the psalmist says, The sorrows of death come past me. The pains of hell, they get hold upon me. I find trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. And the psalmist was in danger. The psalmist was in distress. And he cried unto the Lord. And this is what the Lord did. The Lord, it says in Psalm 1, that the, the Lord hath heard my voice. The Lord hath heard my voice. And in verse 8 it says. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. And you can see a lovely picture of salvation. 
You can see a lovely picture of how we were in our sin, in danger and in distress. And how we cried unto the Lord and he inclined unto us. He heard our cry and we can say, thou hast delivered my soul from death. You know, salvation here is pictured as being rescued. That word deliver there in verse 8 is, is the word to be rescued. It's the word to, to lift up. It's the word to take out. And we often mentioned it on the Thursday nights of the past when we were speaking about the shepherd. Uh, we mentioned that lovely hymn, When I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, it was then that love lifted me. We were rescued. Rescued from the danger of sin. Rescued from the penalty of sin. And we can say thou hast delivered, thou hast rescued my soul from death. But not only is salvation pictured as we are rescued. It's also pictured as being released. Uh, Because down in verse 16 the psalmist said at the end of verse 16. He said thou hast loosed my bands or loosed my bonds. And it's a picture of being enslaved. It's the picture of being enchained. And yet the psalmist could say, Thou hast loosed my bonds. Released. Friends, you know I can look back over my life, and I'm sure you can. And you can see chains from which the Lord has released us. You can see sins that used to grip us, used to hold us, used to ensnare us. And he has released us. He has given us liberty and give us freedom. I was thinking earlier on today of that lovely verse in John's Gospel, chapter 8. The Lord Jesus speaking and he said, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Freedom. We have been rescued and we have been released. And salvation is not only pictured as we are released and rescued, but it's salvation that is to be received. Uh, Because away down there, In verse 13, the psalmist said, I will take the cup of salvation. Salvation is there for the taking. It's available. And you know, friend, if you're listening to me tonight and you're not saved, salvation is there for you to take. And the psalmist said, I will take the cup of salvation. Salvation, first of all, is free. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. That's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the the gift of God. And a gift is always free. Salvation is free. Free to us. And yet it cost God all that he had. When he gave his only begotten son. It's there to be received. It's It's free. But then it's not only free. Salvation is full. You know the cup that the Lord gives. The cup of salvation. It's not a half cup. It's a full cup. I will take the cup of salvation. In Psalm 23, the psalmist, he said, that my cup, it runneth over. And that lovely translation puts it like this. He floods the cup. He floods the cup. He doesn't give us a half measure. He floods the cup. Whenever he gives us life, he just doesn't give us life. He gives us life more abundantly. He gives us eternal life. Whenever he gives us peace, he gives us peace that passes all understanding. He floods the cup. Uh, Whenever he gives us joy, he gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. He floods the cup. It's salvation that was full and it's salvation that was free. I was thinking earlier on during the week of that lovely hymn, Full Salvation 
full salvation, see the cleansing current flow. Washing stains of condemnation, washing whiter than the snow, full salvation, full salvation, washing even whiter than the snow. You know, salvation not only is free, it's like a cup to take. And not only is it full, it's a cup that is filled, but it's a cup that's for all. And you know this lovely message of the gospel, it's not just for a certain group of our society, it's for the whosoever will. Whosoever will may come, that includes you and that includes me. It includes everyone and it excludes no one. It's full, it's free, it's for all, but salvation is forever. The writer to the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, he says that it's the eternal salvation, not just for a day, not just for a week, not just for an hour, not for a period of time, but for eternity. It's salvation that's free. It's salvation that's full. It's salvation that's for all. And it's salvation that's forever. And that's why the psalmist could say, I love the Lord. And we should be able to say the very same. Not only did the psalmist love the Lord because of the salvation that he gives, he loved the Lord because of the person that he is. Because in verse 5, if you cast your eye to it, the psalmist gives three lovely attributes of the Lord. He said in verse 5, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. And I think those are three lovely descriptions of the Lord. I haven't got time to go into them tonight uh, because time will only beat me. But let me go through them quickly with you. Uh, the Lord is gracious. That word is kindness. The Lord is good to his people. Uh, and here uh, in verse 7, the psalmist said, The Lord has dealt bountifully with my soul. He's been good to me. He's blessed me. He, he's given me everything that I need. You know, uh, twice in the New Testament you find that word gracious. And both times they refer only to the person of the Lord Jesus. You'll remember way back in Luke's Gospel chapter 4 and verse 22. It says, And all men bear witness and wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. You think of the kind words that the Lord Jesus had to say to sinners. He never had a kind word to say to a hypocrite or to the Pharisees or to the scribes, but he always had a kind word to say to the lost. He always had a, a, a gracious word to say to men and women that were in need of salvation. Then, of course, Peter. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 3, he says, Ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Surely you and I can say that tonight. The Lord has been kind to us. The Lord has been gracious to us. You remember in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 14, we read there that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of kindness, full of truth. And that's a lovely attribute of the Lord. He's marked by kindness, graciousness. But then, of course, he, the psalmist goes on and he says, not only is the Lord gracious, it says unrighteous. He's not only marked by kindness, but he's marked by holiness. You know, the Lord is perfect. There's no blemish in him. There's no shortcomings in him. There's no inconsistency in him. There is in us, but there is, there's none in him. And we can say, yea, he is altogether lovely. From the crown of his head to the sole of his foot, reverently speaking, we can say that he's marked by perfection. There's no blemish in him. So he's marked by kindness and he's marked by holiness. Wasn't that the anthem in Isaiah 6? Holy, holy, 
holy is the Lord of hosts. But then he went on in verse 5 and he said, not only is the Lord marked by graciousness and holiness, he's marked by being merciful. That's being gentle. He's marked by kindness and holiness and gentleness. You see, this word merciful here is the word compassionate. It's the word to have pity. And whenever you stand and you gaze at Calvary, when you see the Lord Jesus stripped naked, crowned with thorns, you can say like the poet, mercy there was great and grace was free. And it all began where? At the place, the place that was called Calvary. Mercy. The mercy of the Lord. You know, Allah has no mercy. Buddha has no mercy. The religions of the world have no mercy for men and women. They say, try and do. And yet the Lord says, trust. The work has been done. And so those are three lovely attributes of the Lord, aren't they? We can love him because he's marked by kindness. We can love him because he's marked by holiness. And we can mark, love him because he's marked by gentleness. And you can say, I love the Lord. We can love him because of the salvation that he gives. Love him because of the person that he is. But the psalmist give another reason why he loved the Lord. Because of the preservation that he enjoyed. Uh, because in verse 6 it says, The Lord preserveth the simple. That word preserve there is the word to guard. Uh, it's the word to hedge in. You'll remember Job. You'll remember how Satan came and sought to destroy Job and Job had a hedge about him. The Satan could say to the Lord that thou hast put a hedge about him. And Job himself in Job's got, Job chapter 3 in verse 23, he said, God has hedged me in. I think that's very precious. And you know, dear friends, uh, every day the Lord puts a hedge about us. He hedges us in. He protects us. He guards us. He hedges us in. He preserves us. And indeed Job could say himself in Job 29 and verse 2, God preserved me even in the bad days. Even when my family, uh, I lost my family and lost my health and lost my wealth. He could say the Lord preserved me. Surely we can say that tonight, even in the midst of COVID-19, that the Lord has preserved us. He has hedged us in. He's put a hedge about us. You know, whenever Paul was writing to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 18, this is what he said. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me until his heavenly kingdom. In other words, he could say the Lord will preserve me until I get home, until I get to heaven. The Lord will preserve me. He will guard me. He will bless me. The psalmist said in Psalm 121, the Lord shall preserve thy going out. And they coming in. And that's a very uh, precious thought. But I was thinking to this morning and I was enjoying uh, this little nugget. That not only does he preserve us until we get to heaven. He reserves our reward for us until we get to heaven. You see he preserves us here. But he is reserving our inheritance there. And this is what Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and verse 4. That we have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you and so you can see that he preserves us in time but he has reserved our inheritance in eternity he preserves us until we get to heaven and he reserves our rewards until we we get to heaven i think that's i think that's love 
And the psalmist could say, I love him because of the salvation that he gives. I love him because of the person that he is. I love him because of the preservation that I enjoy. And you know, we can say the very same. So you can see the the record of the psalmist's love. You can see the reason for the psalmist's love. But finally, and uh, in closing, you can see the result of the love of the psalmist. You know, there are some things that the psalmist did because he loved the Lord. In verse 9, uh, he says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, he said, because I love him, I'm going to live for him. Others will see it. Others will take knowledge that I, I love him. I'm going to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to live for him. And friends, that ought to challenge us. That ought to uh, search our hearts. It's so easy to sing about having a love for the Lord. It's so easy even to preach about having a love for him. But if we do have a love for him, it ought to be evident in how we live. And the psalmist says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to live for him because I love him. And I want to ask you a question as I have been asking my own heart. Do you and I live for him? Do we stand for him? Do we witness for him? But then he goes on and he gives another thing that he does. Another result of the psalmist's love. In Psalm 116 and verse 17 it says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. He says, I'm not only going to live for the Lord, but he says, I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to give thanksgiving unto the Lord because I love him. That word thanksgiving there is the word to praise. And the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 13 and verse 15, he says, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. And the psalmist said, because I love him, I will live for him. Because I love him, I'm going to give to him. I'm going to give to him praise. I'm going to give to him worship. And indeed, the psalmist, he ends Psalm 116 and verse 19 with that lovely little phrase, praise ye the Lord. So you can see, I will live for him because I love him. I will give to him because I love him. But then finally, he said, I will speak of him because I love him. In verse 18, the psalmist said, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. He said the exact same phrase and verse and in verse 14, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In other words, because I love him, I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to share with others about him. I'm going to, I'm going to be a witness for him. I'm going to stand and I'm going to tell others about the greatness of the Lord because I have a love in my heart for him. You know, friends, that ought to challenge us tonight. That ought to search our hearts. And I want to ask you as I close tonight, do you love him? Can you say like the psalmist with just four words, I love the Lord, that we can love him uh, because of the salvation that he gives, salvation that rescues us, salvation that releases us, salvation that is there to be received, as salvation is full, it's free, it's for all, it's forever. We love him not only because of the salvation that he gave, salvation, love him because of the person that he is, gracious and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful, marked by kindness, marked by holiness, and he's marked by 
gentleness. And then we can love him because of the preservation that we enjoy. He preserves our going out and our coming in. And not only does he preserve us, but he reserves our inheritance, our reward for us. You know, if we do love him, then we will live for him. And we will give to him. And we will speak of him. And I trust that this uh, simple meditation uh, will burn in all of our hearts. Because I do believe in these days, that's one of the factors that is missing so much among us as the people of God. That lack of adoration for the Lord. That we would live differently. That we would be a holy people. A different people. A godly people. And just like the psalmist, we would be able to live for him. And give to him. And speak of him. Because we love him. May the Lord bless his word to your heart. And even ourselves we have been challenged as we've thought upon these truths. And may the Lord encourage us uh, to go on and to go through with him in these days. May the Lord bless it to our hearts. Thank you.